0: I did the incredibly stupid thing of quitting my job as an engineer at zero subscribers to do YouTube. I'm making videos for people like me that just like want the real nitty gritty detail. And I think that's the best way to really treat any of this. And that's how you do well on YouTube is just sharing your passion. People see through the fakeness when you don't really care.
1: Welcome to How to Make a Science Video.
2: does working with a team change the way you make videos? You're listening to Simon Clark
1: and Sophie Ward. And between us, we have over 10 years of experience making YouTube videos about science. And I don't have a master's degree in science communication. But I do. Show off.
2: We both make science videos and we're both curious about how best to share science with the
1: world. This week, we're asking how does working with a team change how you make science videos? To find out how he does it, this week we're talking to My name is Brian McManus. I post on
0: real engineering. So I studied biomedical engineering originally, anyway go away. And struggled initially to get a job because the recession. And then like was wanted to be taken more seriously as a mechanical engineer, so I did the genius thing of studying aeronautical engineering. Because Weirdly, people think that's really impressive when it's like biomed was way harder. And then I worked in industry for like three years and hated it and quit to become a YouTuber.
2: Is biomedical engineering like bionic limbs or is it like MRI machines or is it both?
0: Our university specialised primarily in cardiovascular because Galway is like the hub of like eight out of 10 biomedical companies and most of those make like stents and pacemakers, things like that. But they also do like down on Cork, they do, I said that very British, Cork.
2: Down in Cork.
0: <laughs> down in Cork, by it, down in Cork. They do bone implants and stuff. So hip replacements, knee replacements. So we mostly did like, yeah, I'd say partially joint replacement, and but mostly like cardiovascular implants
2: if someone at a dinner party I'm sure you're going to lots of dinner parties asks you what you do how do you describe it to people
0: depends who I'm talking to Mm -hmm. like sometimes I just say I'm an engineer because that's like a guaranteed they stop talking to me (laughs) 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 it's like oh cool uh and sometimes like you'll meet someone who's actually interested in engineering and then at that point I'm like oh like I actually make like documentaries about engineering and then usually if, if like that's all right they usually know the channel already or have known in passing because a surprising amount of people see these in college now. Sometimes I just say I'm a documentary filmmaker. It depends. Like it's just the vibe the person is giving off. I'm saying more and more now that I'm just a documentary filmmaker. I, I just, I, I had this thing for a long time that if people hear YouTuber, they just think Logan Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm or something like that. But I think the culture around it has changed a lot in the last two or three years that it's seen as a a lot more positively than it used to be.
1: Now they think you have Mr. Beast instead. (sighs) Yes, fucking Jimmy. (laughs) I mean, do you think of yourself as a science communicator? Is that a term you would apply to yourself?
0: Yeah, I would say that's my primary skill. The way we try to differentiate ourselves on YouTube, because there's so many people doing what we do, like engineering, science. But most of them don't go into that much detail, and we're kind of aiming for a older audience that has like at least like a high school secondary school level of understanding of physics and biology and things so we're just like aiming for that more nerdy more educated audience i don't know if that's kind of a bit grandiose sounding but like it's just yeah i'm making videos for people like me that just like want the real nitty-gritty detail not the stuff that is going to go into some like science website like i fucking love science or something where it's just not really Mm. high detail like it's fine it's pop science but i just find it a bit shallow
2: Mm. and then this is your job so how did you get to the point where this was your job well this became your job
0: Uh, yeah i mean i did the incredibly stupid thing of quitting my job as an engineer at zero subscribers to do youtube there was a lot of reasons for that like i hated the job i was in my boss had like fake fired me fake i think he actually fired me and then the higher ups found out what he did it's like this man runs your engineering division what are you doing <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it's like i was doing basically everything in that because i was in malaysia and i basically like, i did all of their marketing i did all of their like product design i like i did nearly everything for them but i dislocated my shoulder and didn't show up to work on a monday because i was in the hospital mm-hmm. and. I came in the next day, I was like, Where were you? I was like, Oh, sorry, I was in the hospital. I was like, You need to call a sick day. I was like, Oh, I didn't plan on like dislocating my shoulder. I had higher priorities, sorry. And he fired me on the spot and then he came back in like two hours later. And said, "Oh, I was, I was only joking. You need to, you need to <laughs> follow procedures. Like this is literally the first sick day I've taken in the three years I've been here. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't know the procedure. Jeez. There was other things that he was refusing to give me a pay rise. I was on twenty eight thousand dollars a month over there, which is a lot of money in Malaysia, but the Malaysian currency was crashing at the time because of the one Malaysia Development Fund oh, okay. that the Prime Minister was like using to pay for Wolf of Wall Street movies and shit. Like he just like." Tuck it all into his own like bank and kept it for himself. Mm -hmm. And it was this whole thing. This is a whole tangent, but I'm gonna tell it.
2: (laughs) No, we want the Malaysian history part of the podcast. Funnily enough, each episode has taken the same tangent, really weird.
0: Weirdly (laughs) Malaysia specific. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, the the economy was crashing there. And I went into the same boss like a week before that asking for a raise. He's like, oh, if I do that, I'll have to do it for everyone. I was like, yes, you, you should. Because, like, most of our workers were Filipino in the factory and they're sending their money home. And when their currency is worth less, they can't send as much back. And they're selling in USD, so that they're not making less money. So there's a lot of factors in me just saying, like, fuck this job. Uh, so yeah, I, I decided that job was not where I wanted to be in my future. And had been teaching myself animation on the side anyways. Like I, During Chinese New Year, I had like two days off, and I just went to some remote island just off the coast of Borneo and just spent four days teaching myself how to animate and did the why plane windows are round video while I was there. Why are plane windows round? This seems like a simple question, but let's take a look. As passenger planes became more popular, planes needed to fly higher. Flying high means less drag because the air density is lower in the upper atmosphere, so less fuel is wasted. So I already had that video made, but it went through like four or five different iterations until I was happy with it. And then after I quit the job, I uploaded that and it just like took off. It was really strange. Like Huffington Post picked it up, made no money off it, no subscribers because it was my first video. There was nothing there for people to really look at, but definitely encouraging. And then just like kept going and we're here now.
1: Had you made videos before that one elsewhere? Was this your first ever video?
0: The first video where I realised you could make... I I made gaming videos when I was unemployed after college. Minecraft videos <laughs> that I can no longer find. Huh. Uh, they're quite cringe. You can hear the depression in my voice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, What do you mean you can no longer find them? Can you not remember what your channel was called
0: or like... It was called Maldi, Moldy Gamer, which Maldi... <laughs> in my language, meant drunk, which like, oh, I for some reason identified with being a fucking piss head back then. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, I've matured. I didn't make any money off that, but I just like, I was fascinated with YouTube. I thought it was cool. And then when Conor McGregor, may his soul rest in peace.
1: (laughs) Just for reference, professional fighter Conor McGregor is still alive. He's not dead.
2: As of the time of recording,
1: he just had won the
0: Cage Warriors belt, and I like became aware of him then. Like I was an MMA fan back then, and I edited a like montage of his Cage Warrior highlights. But then he got into the UFC, and that video like skyrocketed, and I got like a hundred dollars, which like felt like a lot of money back then. And I bought pints for all the lads (laughs) the next day when I got the payment. That was like the limit of my YouTube experience. Like I I didn't really know how to make money properly other than I was aware
1: that you could make money. But it was enough to show you that it was like a viable option. And when you hated your job, you had an idea of what you wanted to do instead.
0: I expected that I'd be able to earn enough to... Like, live in Bali or something, because I was still in Malaysia at that point. It's like, if I can earn like four or $500, I can get by on this a month. At that point, my main priority was just freedom, because I was sick of having my boss dictate everything for me. I
1: can't even take a sick day. So it's like, let's just aim for freedom here. And then were there specific creators that you had as, like, touchstones or inspirations for that airplane window video specifically, like, for the era of real engineering?
0: Yeah, I mean, Minute Physics was one of the first, like, science people I started watching on YouTube, and I thought that was really great, and I tried to mimic his style initially. Like, this is the kind of iterations that I went through. Then Smarter Every Day, too, like, I idolized Dustin back then, and I tried his style, and turned out that i didn't have the personality for it.
2: <laughs> Wait, which videos did you try Dustin style on?
0: Yeah, so i was doing the plain window thing, but i was just doing oh, okay. it in different styles trying to figure out like what would work for me. Oh, ah. Gee. And it was oddly cold fusion. He's with Nebula now. He was making kind of video essays on technology. And I was like, oh, that's a cool way of doing it. And I like the stock footage thing was just starting to become a big part of YouTube back then. It's starting to wane out again as, well, I think the AI stuff is going to make it a hard space to be in if you're just using very standard stock footage. But I was like, oh, you can do that. I didn't know you could just like buy stock footage on like story blocks or whatever. I tried that and thought it was a bit too much initially like i didn't think it was illustrating the, the point so then i just taught myself animation and did the first video is just fully animated but i've kind of moved towards a combination of all of it now I'm just like learning skills as i went along because like i didn't really know what i was doing
2: and then thinking of where you're at now we're in the present day what is your approach to making a new video what's like the first stage idea generation give us the timeline
0: yeah i mean ideas are definitely the first step Sometimes it runs smoothly from one video to another, like I'm just following my curiosity. So like it really is just like, am I interested in this? I've built an audience off things that I'm interested in, and they're probably interested in the same things I am, so that's usually my litmus test. If I think it's boring, I just won't make a video about it. And I think that's the best way to really treat any of this of just treat yourself as your own audience avatar, and that's how you do well on YouTube, is just sharing your passion. It's people see through the fakeness when you don't really care and it's just I don't know, very bland. Like an AI might might as well write it at that point. Like I don't know. I think there's a human element to it. Mm-hmm. These days there's a few other factors and just like how animation heavy it's gonna be, because if there's a 3D model already available, that makes it a lot easier. But yeah, some weeks we'll have a week to make a video. It's like, okay, I need to pick something relatively easy that we can mostly use licensed footage for and like it's like a low lift on animations if I plan out like I'm working on a space shuttle series now that won't come out for six months so that's very research intensive very animation intensive because we're gonna have to create all sorts of custom models of the space shuttle but yeah there's kind of multiple tiers of difficulty when I'm picking a subject to work on that week
1: and then when do you come up with the title because I know that for some youtubers the title is actually one of the first things that gets finalized I think less about the
0: title first usually I try to think of the imagery and the thumbnail like we were thinking about a video on ChatGPT I was like how are we going to make a thumbnail that's interesting for that yeah. cuz the ima- like there's t- plenty of titles that you could come up with that's like they'll probably do well but I think the thumbnail image will just be like how do you pitch your software mm. we have the script done but I was just like eh, this is kind of boring one of the reasons I came up with the insane engineering series was just because like it takes the work of picking a title out of my hands. Yeah, it's just it's a set title format, and I let the format do the work of just. I try to have that as a flag of like there's some videos that the last video could have been the insane engineering of the OceanGate submarine, but I changed it one because I didn't want insane to be derogatory, and two because I didn't see it as fitting the format of like highly detailed really cool animations so i like to have that as like a flag of quality on the channel that this is going to be like a super deep dive into like a cool machine
2: That's the sign that it's a good video then if it's got one of those titles. The rest people can be like, okay, it's going to be average (laughs) because it's not in that series.
0: (laughs) It's your premium offering.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I wouldn't frame it like that, but I would definitely say those videos take significantly more time to make. They consistently do well and they're a nice binge path on the channel. So if like a new person finds that video, they tend to go and watch all the other videos in the series, which just gives the whole channel a boost. Like since that series started, we've like skyrocketed in terms of views like consistent
1: views and how many video projects are in the works at any given time so you sort of said that some take months some take a week in a given week what are you, how many are you dealing with me now if i open up my notion it varies a lot like we have a writer
0: helping us with stuff now josie and i'm training him up to kind of write in my style so he's helping me a lot so that's increased the back catalog but yeah we have the u-haul video which is on Nebula, so that has scope on YouTube. So that's one. Next video is maglev trains in Japan. Then we have a video on a telescope on the far side of the moon, like a radio telescope that they want to build in a crater. The space shuttle one is like three videos. We have a Game Boy engineering one. The script is like kind of drafted. We're working on a, a documentary with relativity space. We're organizing a shoot with Hermias in like two weeks. And I'm currently reading up on electric motors to do a video on Conenseg. their electric motor. They have a raxial flux motor. That's quite cool. Is that 11?
2: 11, yeah. That's a lot.
0: And like various states of like completion, obviously. And
2: then you've got like the chat GBT script that's written, but it's on the back burner. That's a lot. So you must have a pretty big team then,
0: right? E- yeah, we have Mike... Who's our like head animator, head of production, uh, like he he's been working with me since like 2017. Uh, came on full time in like 2020, I think He's the other half of real engineering. He doesn't get like nearly as much credit as he deserves, but he's the one that drives all the visuals. He brought in Eli who does all of our like outdoor 3D animations of the planes and things, and he brought in another blender animator. That hasn't worked with us yet, but we're we're kind of hitting a point with we have 11 videos and not enough production capacity to make them. Mm -hmm. And then we have Stain, who is a part-time 3D modeler that's working on the Space Shuttle one now, just like getting the models ready so we have them when we need them. Dylan, I like naming people and giving credit. Dylan is our head editor. He's been working with us for like four years. Stephanie was the head editor before that, and she asked to start Real Science Mm -hmm. And then Stephanie, obviously, like she's the like my equivalent on Real Science. She just runs the show over there. She is a writer, Lorraine, who is a great writer as well. And Curtan, who's the lead animator on Real Science. And Lainey, who's also like is helping Dylan with edits because he was getting overwhelmed with work there. Graham, who does our audio work, who like works for Standard technically.
1: A lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people. (laughs) I've officially lost track of how many that was. Yeah, that was like 10 or so.
2: Obviously, it's like over a long period of time. But how does it feel transitioning from being a lone ranger to essentially a boss of lots of people?
0: I would say it's like that analogy of boiling frogs in hot water where it just gradually gets hotter. Yeah. <laughs> and then you suddenly realize, oh shit, I'm responsible for all these people. And I actually had a bit of a mental breakdown mm-hmm. like a few weeks ago that is like, oh fuck, like I really feel like I need to take my foot off the pedal here and I can't because the, if I do, like the entire thing falls apart Mm. real science could still going go without me but we share some people like mike works on both channels dylan works on both channels that's the two channels working together but i decided to stop drinking out of that and just put my head down and i got a dog so i'm feeling better
2: (laughs) solution to everything
0: (laughs) yeah yeah more dogs just take better care of myself
1: captain's log We appear to be in a star-forming region of space, a nebula, but instead of large, bloated, loud balls of gas, the stars being formed here are very different. They're stars of online educational video, making long-form content about science, geopolitics and video games, among other subjects. That's right, Captain Picard. Nebula is a streaming service owned by a collection of creators, including Sophie and I, that hosts innovative, educational, and inspirational content from some of your favourite video and podcast makers. You can listen to all episodes of How to Make a Science video ad-free on Nebula, but you can also watch exclusive content from other creators such as Our Changing Climate, Lindsay Ellis, Wendover Productions, and many more. Exclusive content includes individual videos from your favourite creators, but also entire series such as jet lag and red atoms. Get access to Nebula by signing up at go.nebula.tv/htmasv. That's our special how to make a science video link, and by using it you can get 40% off a membership plan and support the show. Again, that link is go.nebula.tv/htmasv. Computer, put Nebula on the main view screen. Engage You've just described a lot of very specific roles in terms of animation and editing mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of stuff. What do you see your role as within a video? Because you're sort of presented as almost entirely as this sort of disembodied voice, yeah. you know, your, your, your voice only. Do you position yourself as the narrator as an expert or are you like a, a student? I don't like the idea of being, because I'm not an
0: expert on, on the vast majority of things we cover. I just work very hard to reference everything that we say. Like, there is opinions in the videos like the last video on nuclear fission future rubbed people the wrong way because i dared point out that like capitalism is a large part of why climate change is such a problem and it can't be the solution to climate change people like you're a communist it's
1: like "Uh, uh." Uh, welcome to my world Uh, no i'm not you should point out nuclear power isn't the solution to absolutely everything funnily enough you you're a communist stay in your Um, lane
2: communist come on Tell
0: me. And it's like it's also just like uh, it's like nuance, guys. It's just like you can criticize something, you can criticize a financial philosophy without becoming a communist. It's like I don't believe in communism either. But, anyways, side point. I see myself as, I guess, more of a director and writer. I write them, but as soon as I'm done writing, the storyboarding process begins, and frequently the scripts change through that process. And when I'm writing, I'm thinking of the visuals. I'll write the opening to have a really, uh, whenever possible, especially the Insane Engineering series, like I write the opening to be as cinematic as possible. I think the X-15 video is probably the best one of that, of like having the X-15 overtake the SR-71, just to like give it like the sense of like this was the fastest plane ever made. And like the animations, I think my brain is like uniquely suited for because my brain doesn't work with languages all that well like i've always struggled in school because of my language processing abilities like i wasn't a great student but i am very spatial and when i'm writing i have the animation in my head as i'm writing yeah i think it's because i've done every step of the process in the past as well like i've done the editing i've done the animating i've done the whole thing by myself before we had all the team members and stephanie has done the same i have a holistic idea of how a video comes together so i think that is like basically what a director is
1: right it's like how you hear sushi masters you know how like people who run sushi restaurants have to start by you know like washing the rice mm-hmm. and do that for how many years or you know whatever it is like every process before you get to the top yeah because it is as you say it's a holistic mm-hmm. process
0: i don't want to like play up my role too much in that like a lot of the animations end up being like the storyboards especially i've had the luxury of them being we never used to do storyboards because mike is an engineer himself and he used to just look at the words and put something together and if he wasn't sure of what I was explaining we'd like go through it on a call and go over images and stuff. Since things have scaled up we've done more storyboards but it's very loose and Mike and Eli are incredibly talented I would say cinematographers even though it's like 3D animation. I don't tell them The camera moves to make. I don't tell them like that's all them. But yeah, and then like training up Josie as a writer on real engineering has been a lot of reminding him that he's not writing an academic script. Like you know, sometimes you say like etc or something, and you put in the etc or whatever, and it's just like dude, like no, it's like I can't I can't read that.
2: (laughs) Right. So when you said you're teaching him to write in your style, it's not even in your voice. It's just in your sort of level of pitching it, basically. Or in a way that means you can just read it as a script.
0: I mean, I would say this is YouTube science communication in a nutshell. I've hired SciComm students who like went to college to study science communication and they're being taught by like academics They're either far too shallow because they're used to writing for like web articles that they're expected to pump out like five scripts a day because that's like where the industry used to be and it's boring and it doesn't teach you anything and it's like it's just not what I want to do.
2: Ouch Brian it's a very real discipline okay.
1: See this is where I feel better about not having a master's in science communication.
2: Yeah I'm ashamed. Is this what you wanted Brian? I'm ashamed.
1: Or, I've worked with
0: academics who write in a very academic way and they use acronyms that no one knows what they mean and they use language that isn't accessible. And I fundamentally hate that about education in general of like, why are you using these very difficult to understand terms when teaching? I get it when you're working with something day in, day out, and you need shorthand. That I get. But when you're teaching, Even some of the books are just so inaccessible. It's like, I I would need to study this for like a year before I Mm -hmm. could read this book. And this is meant to be an intro book. Like, what are you doing?
2: Well, it feels purposeful, doesn't it? It feels like gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Like they're purposely gatekeeping things to make people feel isolated who aren't at their level of knowledge, I think, in those situations.
1: Yeah. Or to use the academic term as shibboleth. What? Oh, what? The academic description of that is a shibboleth.
2: Isn't that a Yu-Gi-Oh card?
1: Never heard that before. That's a, that's a classic example of if you want to engage in this conversation, if, if you drop that as an academic, then people who don't know that are like immediately excluded from this very simple idea of, oh yeah, I'm just using a term that you don't know. But I think
0: writing for YouTube, you are writing in a visual format. And I think a lot of SciComm people aren't used to writing with visuals in mind. And... Maybe this is because I'm like dyslexic and highly visual, but I think if you're using YouTube as a format, it should be very visual. Like, that's why I've never appeared on camera. It's not because I'm shy. Well, it's because I was quite bad on camera initially, but it was primarily that I wanted the visuals to be at the forefront because it's a better way of explaining it. My face doesn't explain anything, but animations do.
1: And when you're writing a video, do you have specific objectives that you want it to achieve? Because what we talked about so far is, oh, it's an interesting concept. It would be like, you know, why windows are around or whatever. Mm-hmm. But do you do you have specific things you want your audience to come away understanding or informed about or whatever it is? I wouldn't say there's any
0: grand scheme of education in the videos. It's not my intention for these videos to be used in college classes to teach things, even though they frequently are. I see them as like inspiration to get interested in the subject, treat the technologies as like a protagonist in a story. I try to get them interested in the technology at the start, and then it goes through some sort of challenge in the middle of the story, and then we find a solution towards the end of it. So I'm mostly trying to tell a story. Not every video follows that format, but or, or I'll still be like mini versions of that within the thing. Like I, I try to do like setups and payoffs. So it's like mostly like those kind of aha moments of here's a cool thing, but it has a problem. Here's how we fix it. That was one of the things I was teaching Josie recently. He had it in the wrong order. He gave us the solution first. I was like, no, no, no. Like that's the payoff. That's like set up the problem first.
1: So what Brian's describing here is the hero's journey, what some people call the monomyth, this idea of a story structure that applies to everything from the epic of gilgamesh to star wars this idea of you have a protagonist who goes through uh, various trials and there are there are really granular versions of it where there's like a, a threshold guardian and a mentor and all these kinds of things and then your protagonist goes through some rebirth and comes out the other side as a new person and you know the classic example that i give is star wars where Luke Skywalker goes through this transition of becoming a Jedi Knight and blows up the Death Star as this, spoilers, I guess, uh, this, this ultimate example of overcoming adversity and then returns back to where he was at the start of the story, but fundamentally changed. And this is a technique that's normally used in fiction, but as Brian's making pretty clear, you can also use it in nonfiction. So while this is a technique from fiction, it's pretty clear as as Brian demonstrates that you can apply these techniques from fiction of storytelling to narrative nonfiction.
0: That's how I was, I've always thought about it. It's like I try to get people to care about it, which is why I tried to do like the cinematic opening at the start. It's like here's our hero; it's really cool. But then, like like I always say, but in the videos. But it's like it's just that this is a cool idea. Because I don't like those channels that like hype up a technology and don't acknowledge all the problems. Because I think that's the inspiration. It's like there's still engineering problems that we can work on, that you can work on. You can go study engineering to fix this. And I can talk about some of the solutions and some of the problems that haven't been solved yet. And I usually save the problems that haven't been solved yet until the end of the video. So it can be like an aspirational thing. But again, like not every script follows that process. I tried to apply that to videos as much as possible but it's not always possible obviously
2: so then what would you say we've talked about kind of your learning objectives slash when you're writing a video on the other side of things to you what determines if a video is a success or not
0: money <laughs> there we
2: go <laughs> <was awesome> <laughs> uh,
1: no right, i mean <laughs> yeah Can we replay that clip where he says capitalism isn't great? Can we we put that back in this?
2: Brian's a shill for his own videos.
1: (laughs) I'll move to Texas for a reason, baby. (laughs) No, I
0: mean, like, obviously, I'm running a company. I have a lot of people that are employed here. If we're not making money, the whole thing falls apart. And more money means we can hire more people and do more cool shit. Obviously, like, I think you get to a certain level of comfort. And well, like, that's at least how I felt. I think it was part of my mental break is like, I just got to a level of like, I don't want any like super fancy shit. Like, I don't want to live in a big house. I don't like I'm at a level of comfort now where my ambition is. Is kind of starting to wane, and I was like, that was kind of confronting. Why am I adding all the stress to my life with hiring people when, like, I don't need to? I can kind of just phone it in. So it was like kind of coming to a reckoning with that. But no, I think remembering why I started the channel of like inspiration, like seeing people. Like I met Adam Savage last week, and I've said there's two people in this world for a long time that would make me nervous. Like most celebrities, I don't give a shit about. Adam Savage and David Attenborough were my heroes growing up. And, like, I'll cry when he dies, and I really hope that we somehow make him immortal, except not
1: through AI. That shit's weird. Get a script ready, my dude. I think that's what I'm going to do quite soon, is write the script so it's ready to go.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, like how all the news places have them. They'll have that like video banked for years, that David yeah. Attenborough yeah. death video for all the news channels.
1: I met him once, actually.
2: You met him?
1: In Oxford, yeah. It was one of the most surreal experiences of my life because when he spoke to me, it was like the planet was speaking to me. <laughs> Not an exaggeration at all. I don't even remember what he said because it was a book signing and I remember you say the, like, thank you for everything you mm-hmm. do type thing and he said something back and it was like yeah the entire planet resonated and just directed all this sound at me and i just (laughs) did not know what to do it was completely bizarre yeah
0: i had a similar i I wouldn't say the planet was speaking to me when i was speaking to adam but it was definitely a bit of word vomit especially like when you're in rooms with like through youtube you get to meet some big names every now and again and like. Like Mark Rober enters a room and everyone crowds around him. And like that happened at open Source where he came and I was already talking to a group and people just like blocked me out of the group when he arrived. Wow. <laughs> it's like this is why I love being faceless, is you get to see how people treat you when they don't know who you are.
2: Real life YouTuber yeah. top trumps. Like pe- like, oh yeah, they're a one, <laughs> you know.
0: And like that's not anything against Mark, it's just how This works, but I don't ever want to be that person that like crowds around someone. So I was like, I really want to go talk to Adam, but he's constantly surrounded. And then once I actually did get a chance to talk to him, It was just like, oh, like you you tested, followed me on on YouTube. Uh, You started following my videos, uh, like sharing my videos on Twitter. Thank you. It's clearly not him that does that. And it was just like trying to give social validation to myself because I was just like, I don't want to be a fan in this interaction. I want to be like an equal, which is just silly. And then Scotty from Strange Parts got asked for a photo which I didn't want to do. And then he just pulled me into a photo. I was like, oh, bro, that's such a bro move. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) And I'm just like bright red in the photo because I'm just like so nervous. He
2: wingmaned you.
0: Yeah. But like Adam and David Attenborough, I feel like that's why I do what I do. Just like they've inspired like generations of people into engineering science have like showed the importance of this work. And I think Ultimately, that's the effect I'm trying to have on the world of just inspiring the next generation that are watching YouTube instead of TV. So, yeah,
1: just like do that, have fun, do cool stuff. So success is money. And meeting Adam Savage, does it mean positive comments? Like, do you read the comments on your videos still? To me, like the comments that are like, I I went into engineering because of you. It's like partially. Oh
0: god, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But like the first video on my channel is the mission statement, and it's very much that of like we need engineers. We have some big problems facing the world specifically climate change and like i do a lot of cool aviation stuff but i try to throw the climate change stuff in there as much as possible because like that is the big problem we're facing all this other shit doesn't matter it's like we need to fix the energy situation if we don't fix this we don't have a future Uh, like even like the ocean gate thing i didn't want to make that video unless i made it have a purpose so i had like the engineering ethics at the end of the video for me to justify the reason this video exists of like this elon musk stuff of move fast and break things it's fine when you're not putting people in danger but when it's like virgin galactic sending a test pilot up and the thing breaks apart because they didn't put in adequate safety measures it's like i just hate that stuff yeah yeah
2: the devaluing of other people's lives isn't it yeah
0: and it's like capitalism yeah. again. I, I hate. What's says Richard Branson? He's a fool. He's, the, he's a bigger fool than any of them. Yeah. And it's a crowded field. Yeah.
2: I did Mandarin GCSE. I know, guys, don't be too impressed. And our like oral exam was we had to talk about our favorite entrepreneur, and which is a great question. But at that age, you're just like, oh, I only know like Richard Branson. He's mm-hmm. the only one. So I had to talk about Richard Branson for 10 minutes in Mandarin. What a nightmare. <laughs> can't remember any of it anyway that sounds
1: like a night like an actual night i
2: cried yeah my mandarin teacher was really mean as well so in the oral exam i like panicked and she made me cry anyway this isn't about mrs min this is about brian mcmanus so <laughs> but mrs min if you're listening i never forgave you
0: mandarin is a scary language to learn it's,
2: yeah it's hard it's just cute having a load of like northern kids like being like she sophie ward or whatever like anyway <laughs> Yeah. Or,
1: or trust me, West Country kids learning how to speak French is equally oh, awesome. yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, My French teacher hated me
0: because like, she was like, you have to do a French accent. It's like, the French people don't come to Ireland and they're like, well, how are you doing? <laughs> 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 it's, like, oh, <laughs> it's like, they don't do an Irish accent. Why the fuck should I do a French accent? They're going to know I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We finish these chats by asking our guest the same five rapid-fire questions, starting with...
2: If I gave you a million dollars to make a video, what video would you make with that cash?
0: I don't know, like... I don't think uh, at our level that money makes all that much. Like, I think 100,000 is probably the limit of what we would need to do to make what we need. I don't know how it's scaled up to a million. I don't think money would make it any better. Like, I'd say with the space shuttle thing I'm working on, if I had to use that budget for it, I'm trying to interview Chris Hadfield for that. And I want to go and film at the, like, Smithsonian. I don't think we need more than one or two cameras. It's just more filming days more than anything. That's a loaded question. I don't know what you mean.
2: You just make a video where you spend a million dollars on your dog to make him really
0: happy. (laughs) Yeah, I might make something cool. Yeah, making something cool would be fun. Yeah,
2: I was thinking that, like making something, like make, like Uh, actually building something. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Well, you've done videos in like with uh is Alex Steel who's in the forge. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Like do something like that. Just take that to the nth degree. Yeah,
0: I mean, like we we the video coming out on YouTube in two weeks, the hypersonic wind tunnel was fun. So I want to do more stuff like that, uh, just experiential stuff where we do things and building something could be part of that. But I don't know what would cost a million dollars. It's like I donated a million dollars to <laughs> people in need.
1: I don't know. And I didn't make a video about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not performative. <laughs>
2: yeah. I just found that question is very like evil genius, isn't it? We've just gone like a million dollars. Yeah, it's a bit ridiculous.
1: My favorite response is still Simone hietch who was just like, Well, that could be part of the funding for this project. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> can't the fuck down. Yeah. Okay, second question. What one change would you make to YouTube to improve the website? I mean, there's a lot smarter people working at YouTube, working on that exact
0: thing. We're Like, I would have had answers for this a year ago, uh, but YouTube has actually been great lately in giving us the things we've been asking for. I have dubs on the channel now, so of have multiple languages. It's still in beta. It's still kind of a bit janky and stuff, but that was huge because, like, being able to reach more people is always the goal and especially people in less fortunate countries that don't have access to education like we did having more languages and youtube being free is a huge part of that like nearly everyone has an android phone in india at this point and they've brought in ab testing on thumbnails that's coming in soon i had access to that too and it was amazing i don't know i think youtube is doing a great job honestly we're all working on youtube for a reason and yeah i don't know they're they're starting to listen a bit more on the things that we actually want
2: fair answer that's what patch said as well to zoo no you're not the first person to say that
0: give me more cut of the money yeah
2: (laughs) 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 okay you kind of alluded to it earlier but what do you think educational video will look like in 10 years time compared
0: to now like you see the quality of things improving constantly like our our channel is like a microcosm of that of what we've been able to afford because like the money you can earn on youtube has continually gone up like ad rates are going up other than this year they kind of dipped like sponsors are coming to youtube more so like their financial backing there is allowing higher production quality and i think that's only going to improve with like dubs allowing you to reach a wider audience and all of that i think things like mythbusters and stuff like that will be possible on youtube not even in 10 years i think like it's we're pretty much there with some of the things like michael reeves and stuff is doing it's like at that point it's just like a more expensive production with cameras and editors and all of that sort of thing i don't know i think the the quality is just going to keep improving and actual shows are going to come out a bit more yeah i don't know i'm hoping youtube is around for a lot longer i think ai is the big what if question and i know youtube is like they were asking me about how they should combat ai misinformation or ai channels content farms because it's already a problem just kind of flooding the market and making recommendations very difficult because they just like go for like just trash thumbnails and titles yeah. and stuff yeah. but they are they are trying to bring in measures to reduce their reach like have some sort of ai detection on it But I think the good and the bad of YouTube
1: future is there, so who knows? Okay. Next question. Who is one creator you think everybody should watch? Bobby Fingers. I knew you'd say him. For the benefit of the audience, what what kind of videos does he make?
2: I don't think I know Bobby Fingers.
1: I'll say I'm
0: saying him because he's a new channel. He's Irish and his videos are phenomenal. He makes dioramas of like moments in like Hollywood entertainment history where someone like was kind of going through something or like it's like bad moments in hollywood history so he's done a diorama of like mel gibson getting arrested and a diorama of michael jackson's hair being caught on fire during the pepsi ad thing but it's this whole like you don't know where the video is going he'll have like he throws in all these jokes he like breaks into song he has like cut scenes of him in the irish bogs doing like a pagan ritual foraging stuff. It's the most entertaining thing I've ever watched. And he just got YouTube straight from the start. Like he's hiding coordinates of the diorama throughout the video. So you have to go back and watch it, which pushes up the retention time. He posted it on, on Patreon and I found it through Google Earth immediately. And I wrote to him, I was like, yeah, I know where it is. And he's like, oh shit, I need to take that out. so Because I, I broke the game. But... Yeah, Bobby Fingers. Bobby Fingers is class. He's going to be the next big thing on YouTube.
2: Okay, final question then. What is one video that you think everyone should watch?
0: The video of the kid that has the dream. Have you ever had a dream where you, you could do, you could, you, you, you could do it. You, 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 you could just do, you just, you just want them to do you so bad, you would do anything and watch that video. It's my favorite. ah uh, never give up. Never surrender. That kid. Or no, what's nuts. Where'd you get your hairstyle? You know that one, Simon.
1: I was going to ask that as the final <laughs> quickfire question. God damn it. <laughs> The most niche dumb in joke (laughs) (laughs) between any two nebula people, I swear. No,
2: but I'm laughing at you guys laughing. (laughs) Oh,
1: God. It's, you know what, I think it's funnier if we don't explain it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'd rather not. Actually, I would rather it be a mystery.
1: I, yeah,
0: but... I mean, it's pretty, pretty. Just look up what's not Kevin from Galway.
2: What's not? So... It's
0: a, a piece of Irish history that everyone in Ireland knows who it is. Anyone who's called Kevin and is from Galway immediately uh, is like, "Oh, you're
1: you're the kid." And Brian just assumed <laughs> that I knew when I once asked. Oh for no, a I, Q&A knew you really I knew you didn't. I knew you didn't.
0: That was entirely a joke for me. (laughs) It's just fucking with you. Where'd you get? Where'd you get your hairstyle?
2: (laughs) There you go, Simon. You were complaining that you never get fucked with, but right from the beginning, you were being treated not like a southerner. Game
0: was rigged from the beginning. Exactly. It's my love language, Simon.
1: Okay, so we are back in the studio and. I don't know if you could tell, but we had a great time talking to Brian. Yeah. He's a great guy. What did you take away from our conversation, Sophie?
2: Other than being insulted. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> ouch. Wow. For my Psychom shops, <laughs> I took quite a lot from this chat. Actually, I think one of the things I found really interesting was linking to the science communication master's stuff. Finding that sweet spot when you're writing between sort of shallow pop signus and academic loftiness because I often really try and veer away from any sort of academic loftiness because I have my own sort of chips on my shoulder about being colloquial, not being sort of embraced and accepted. Yeah. And it's made me realise how important it is to really keep your audience in mind because a little bit of academic wording is okay for certain audiences and that's all good so yeah I think that's what I kind of took away from it and also the use of visuals because my second ouch was the fact that I basically am just a face to camera (laughs) and maybe your face
1: doesn't explain it. and my
2: face doesn't explain anything Simon no what about you Simon what did you take from
1: the chat mine was also a visual based idea um which was about thumbnails so very frequently when you talk to huge YouTube channels, they will talk about how important title is and how if you can't have a title for a project, you you shouldn't make it. And I think it's – I've never heard somebody say so explicitly, if you can't make a thumbnail about a concept – Don't make a video about it. It is unfortunate that that is the way that YouTube works. It is obviously a visual medium and people see the thumbnail, read the title and then choose to click on it. So that thumbnail is the first link in the chain. It's unfortunate that that does make talking about certain topics really hard. And, uh, you know, Brian's talking about engineering uh, projects and technologies which are largely visual and tangible things. And so, you know, you can just have a picture of them. But um, yeah, I, I think... I think he's right, unfortunately, and I think that's a real problem for certain subjects on YouTube.
2: Yeah, I agree. That's all for this episode, everyone. Don't be too sad, because next time we're talking to... My name is Hannah Witten. I'm very much a generalist. (laughs) And so sometimes I just have to kind of embrace that, like, I can know a lot about a lot without having, like, the true expertise in every single area. But if anything, I think that's kind of what makes a good science communicator. And please tell me if I'm wrong, but
0: <laughs> this be what make a good science communicator.
1: Thanks again to Brian for joining us. You can find his videos at youtube.com forward slash Engineering. Thank you for listening to How to Make a Science Video, a Nebula podcast. The producer was Simon Clark. Our music and editing were provided by Fergus Hall and our artwork by Lizzie Fierkowski. If you enjoyed this episode, please do recommend the podcast to your friends and rate us on your podcasting service of choice.